You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Pets in the City is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash pets in the city. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. I have the pleasure of being here this afternoon with Gwen Cooper, who is author of Homer's Odyssey, a fearless feline tale on how I learned about love and life with a blind wonder cat. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, boy, how you doing? (coughs) What am I doing? (coughs) I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (coughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your Lifebook page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (coughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial Lifebook. (coughs) No, not for Grandma. But we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the PetLife Radio homepage. (coughs) Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here! (coughs) Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? I can tell you I am in a sense of wonder about this little animal, Gwen. 
Yeah, he is uh, He is quite the, the astonishing little cat. It was a lot of fun writing a book about him. I, I mean, yeah, I, you know, just so our listeners know, when I, you know, I, I came in and uh, Homer was just navigating himself around the house as if, you know, really, like he could see. Well, you know, I would say Homer actually does not know that he is blind. So as long as we don't tell him there's any reason he shouldn't be able to do things, he will have no idea. Uh, he's been blind his whole life. So truly, he does not know that anything is missing. And to see him walking around, getting around, you would never know that he couldn't see. Now, now very briefly, uh, you got him as a kitten, and there was an eye infection, so the eyes just completely came out. Yes, he was found as a stray kitten about two weeks old in Miami, and the couple that found him brought him to my veterinarian, and she determined that... He, he had this eye infection that could not be treated. She determined that the only way to save his life was to surgically remove his eyes. But cats actually don't open their eyes for the first two weeks of life. So he really had had this infection before he'd ever been able to see. So, you know, the, my vet's feeling was that not having experienced sight, there wouldn't really be anything for him to overcome. This would just be the way that he understood the world and that he would more or less be fine. She didn't know if he would be as independent as other cats or as adventurous as other cats, but there was no reason he couldn't have a good life. And, of course, he is... Uh, turned out to be a, a lot more adventurous and independent than Actually, when I was reading a little bit about you, it's almost like uh, uh, serendipitous for you because you, you said you actually worked at um, the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind as well as with Pet Rescue, so then you have a blind cat. Well, I actually was working for an organization, and I ran a program where what we did was I, I put together volunteer projects that served a variety of nonprofit organizations in Miami's volunteer community. So we did volunteer projects with the Miami Lighthouse for the Blind, with Pet Rescue, uh, with the Miami Rescue Mission, with Ronald McDonald House, with, with just a huge number of, of organizations. And among them were organizations that served the blind or that served rescue animals. So there was a certain base of experience that I had in that sense. It didn't terrify me as an abstract concept that a cat might be injured or, or might need special care. Amazing. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, there's an interesting thing you say, you, your husband said in the book that, um, you know, that this is a kind of girl and cat and her cat story as opposed to a, a boy and his dog story. And, you know, we all know, you know, from the classics to Old Yeller to the, you know, the recent success of Marley and me. I always wondered, uh, does it seem like cats and their companions do get the short shift when, uh, you know, you're, th you're thinking about a companion animal? Well, I, I should say, you know, my husband is, is a film guy. He writes about film for a living. And so he always says, yes, that, that Homer's Odyssey is a classic boy and his dog story. And he, by the way, says that E.T. is a classic boy and his dog story. So he doesn't necessarily mean specifically a dog. What he means is this kind of relationship between a human and a non-human. And it's a transformational relationship. There's adventures. There's journeys. There are struggles. There are good guys and bad guys and heroes and villains. And, and all of that is definitely in this book. Some of the tales get very action-adventure-y and, and hero and villain-oriented. But yes, I think there is certainly a sense that a dog is a certain kind of a pet. I mean, there's a reason you think of it as a boy and his dog story, and you don't call E.T. a, a, a boy and his cat right. story. <laughs> and um, But, you know, I always say that I think part of that misnomer is because relationships that people have with cats are, by their nature, 
more private relationships, you see people out with their dogs. People take their dogs to dog parks. They take them out for walks. They are out and about with their dogs. And for the, you know, for the most part, people don't walk their cats on leashes or, or take their cats with them to cafes or restaurants or to run errands. And so those relationships are there and they're intense, but they're more interior. They're more relationships that people have that others don't see. And so I think then in the popular imagination, sort of dogs are always with us and, and cats aren't seen as much. And so they're not thought about as much, maybe. But. But that's not true because, but you know, at home, it, it could be a very deep relationship. Oh, of course. You're not going to hear me argue that. <laughs> I, again, I wrote a book about my very deep relationship with my cat. So uh, I, I couldn't agree more. There's an interesting way we were talking a little briefly about the way he gets around. Uh, you said his whiskers definitely help. And, um, you know, we were just talking about, um, you know, even the house has to be arranged in a certain way for it to be easier for him to get around. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? That's really interesting. Yes, actually, we, we were just cleaning. And so uh, right now, things are in a slightly different place than they were a few minutes ago. So Homer's kind of figuring it out, as you can see pretty easily. But we, you know, what we do for Homer is what you would do to, for a blind person who can certainly get around and, and obviously live their lives. And there's no reason that can't be done. And just certain things make that easier. And so we try to keep things in the same place. His litter box is always in the same place. His food and water is always in the same place. Um, as you can see, you know, I was just saying uh, we were just cleaning. Things on the coffee table are maybe an inch to the left or an inch to the right of where they usually are. So he's getting around fine, but it's taking him a little longer than it normally would. Although, again, he, he really, just to look at him, does not look any different than any other cat getting around. So he does get a lot of sensory feedback from his whiskers, from his sense of smell, from his hearing. He certainly knows when people are here, when there are objects near him. And the truth is, you know, sight is not as important to cats with relation to their other senses as it is to humans. We recognize each other primarily by vision. Cats recognize each other primarily by smell. So right off the top, it's a lot, in the end, it's a lot easier for him to cope without sight than it might be without one of his other senses. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. It sounds like an intuitive movement. Now, I guess the reason why I wanted to ask you that is because it seemed like his senses came in very, very handy in uh, at least two times, and, and I'm sure more in your life, but particularly there's two that you mentioned in the book. You know, can you let me know about that that night? That night. Yes, the, the infamous story when Homer chased a burglar out of our apartment. This was uh, back in when we still lived in Miami, and um, I woke up, you know, in the middle of the night one night, and I heard Homer growling. That's actually Homer yawning, <laughs> you hear right now. And uh, it's, it's pretty unusual for Homer to growl. He's a pretty friendly little cat. So I heard him growling, and, and you know, you can't see. It, Homer is all black, and he has no eyes, so in the dark, he really is truly invisible. So I turn on the light to see why Homer was growling, and I see Homer at the foot of the bed all puffed up and, and looking very aggressive, very unusually aggressive. And at the foot of the bed was a man who I had never seen before in my life, who Homer had obviously heard and smelled when he came into the apartment. And again, this is, I think, where the, the force of habit really comes in, because I think what really upset Homer about the situation and why he knew there was something wrong 
is because people, you know, when people first come into the house, there's a way in which they are introduced to Homer. There's a way that that happens. I answer the door. I greet them. They put their hand out for Homer to sniff. They don't just turn up in the bedroom while I'm asleep. And anything that happens that differently in Homer's world is, is wrong. It's happening wrong. And uh, I, of course, became very uh, immediately very tense when I saw that happening. And um, I think Homer sensed that, too. What's funny about it, though, is, you know, when I turn on the light, that was when the, the burglar saw Homer for the first time, and who obviously had been able to hear Homer and just had not been able to see him or figure it out. And it was taking him a second to figure out what it was about Homer's face that looked different from other cats. And you could see that this look of terror on his face when he realized it. And I always say he must have felt like he wandered into Hannibal Lecter's apartment. You know, I'm sure he was thinking, like, here's this eyeless black cat who's acting very menacing. And, you know, I'm sure if I had said it, it puts the lotion in the basket, or it wouldn't have surprised him. I'm sure he was thinking, if she did this to the cat, what's she going to do to me? And what do I have to lose? Exactly. So, uh, and so I reached for the phone to call 911. And he said, don't do that. And as soon as he spoke and Homer heard his voice and, and knew sort of exactly where he was, he uh, slashed at his face with his claws. And at that point, the burglar turned and ran. And then Homer jumped off the bed and ran after him. So I'm on the phone with 911 and they're saying, you know, stay on the phone with us. So the police get there. And of course, I can't stay on the phone. I've got a blind cat who's about to run out into the hallway. And as far as I know, once he gets outdoors, he knows where he'll end up or whether, you know, whether he'll know how to get back home. So I, all I wanted was for this man to leave. And I am now chasing the cat who's chasing the burglar. <laughs> so... But uh, the burglar got away, and, and I got Homer, and the, the police were there, honestly, within about 30 seconds. And so it was a story with a happy ending, ultimately. But uh, certainly Homer's finest hour, you know, I always say that uh, I, in, in adopting him as a kitten, you know, he, he'd been considered unadoptable. He was going to end up in a shelter if I did not take him, because uh, the vet just could not find any place for him. And I always say, you know, I, I saved his life once upon a time, and uh, years later, he returned to the favor. No, and it sounds like that wasn't the only precarious situation you both had had been in. I mean, you know, of course, the the sad day for all of us when the World Trade Center was destroyed. It sounds like that was very, very harrowing for you, as it was for a lot of pet owners here that you, you just couldn't get to him. No, that's true. When I moved to New York, I moved to New York in uh, the spring of 2001, and I moved to an apartment in the financial district. It was about five blocks from the World Trade Center, and my office was about six blocks from the World Trade Center. And I was at where I was actually, I had been at work, and I was on the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, we didn't know the towers were going to fall. And so I was with a group of coworkers. We, we sort of didn't really know what to do. So we had this idea that we would walk over the Brooklyn Bridge. We just didn't want to stay in Manhattan. And we would figure out what we were going to do when we got to the other side. And, and while we were on the bridge was when the towers collapsed. And it, it ended up taking me about three days to get back to my apartment and back to the cats. Um, they, they just weren't letting people in for the first day and a half because buildings were still collapsing. And then there were a lot of security issues. I had just moved from Miami, and I hadn't changed my driver's license yet. So I didn't have ID proving that I actually lived in the area. So it, it, there was a lot that I had to go through. Actually, the ASPCA ultimately ended up being very helpful in helping reunite pet owners with their pets who were trapped near Ground Zero. And, um, you know, again, a story with a happy ending, but it was a really grueling few days. It's, it's, it's recalled in a lot of detail in the book. Um, 
all the people who helped and all the people who were wonderful and just uh, there were a lot of, of pet owners um, who were also separated from their pets and it, you know it's a part of the story that that doesn't get talked about a lot as which is of course understandable in the grand scheme of things it is not obviously the big part of the story but it, it does surprise a lot of people to hear how many hundreds of people were were separated from their pets and needed help from organizations like the ASPCA and PETA in order to get back to them. I tell you, I hear what you're saying that, you know, most people would say, look, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, your cat was in the apartment alone for three days. I mean, you know, big whoop. But, but I think, you know, you yourself, you know, I won't let on what happened, but you were with a bunch of people who were in the same situation who were probably beside themselves. And uh, that seemed like that was one of the first thing, not not the first time, but it seemed like that's when the ASPCA galvanized and said, well, you know, we really have to have some kind of uh, emergency action plan here. And then, of course, you know, unfortunately, we had Katrina come as well. And it, it really illustrated how, how much people would go through to get to their pets if, if in that situation. Well, pets are family members, and, and I think those of us with pets understand that. They're, they're family members, and it's also a responsibility. It's different with cats and dogs, but for me, there was only so much food and water I'd left them. At the time, I always kept the toilet seat closed so that Homer would not accidentally fall in the toilet, you know, which I always felt would be a very sad and, and unpleasant thing to have happen to him. So it was, there was really concern on my part. The two concerns were whether or not any windows in my apartment had been broken by the debris. I lived on the 31st floor, and again, a blind cat could take one step out a window and not know that there's nothing there. And I was also concerned, and, and they had, by the time I got back, there was no food, there was no water left, and, and there was some concern over how long a cat could live without water. But, you know, so, so there's a sense, and, and I think, again, people with pets understand this, you're, you're worried for your pets, you're concerned for them, but they're also your responsibility. You don't get to just say, well, it, it really stinks right there, I, I prefer not to go down there right now, I'll wait a week, and then I'll go back and see what's going on. You, you have to. It's a life that you're responsible for. And coming from Miami, where we have certainly dealt with our share of natural disasters and hurricanes, I was aware that organizations like ASPCA tend to, to be there to help pet owners reunite with their pets in the wake of a disaster. And, and I was lucky that in this case they were as well. Well, I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot of New Yorkers who could relate to your particular story in that book. So definitely pick it up because I won't give it away about what happened there. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer. Best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books, such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and Me author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life lessons i learned from dogs by seinfeld's john o'hurley and many many more to download your free audiobook today go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash pets in the city again that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash pets in the city 
for your free audiobook. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com From Paris, New York, and around the globe, get ready for the hip, the trendy, the uber cool where pets rule. If you've got a passion for pet fashion and a flair for animal wear, this is the ultimate place to take a peek at what's chic in the world of designer pet fashion and cool new pet products. The Pet Set, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? If you could kind of articulate for us, there's a... Homer's a very special cat, obviously, um, you know, in terms of being handicapped and still handicapable. And I've seen a number of dogs who've also, you know, had handicaps or various challenges who, who get through them as well. But, you know, can you give people an idea who might be thinking about getting a special needs pet what some of the challenges are to having them? I mean, it, it sounded like it was a bit of a challenge. I think it's it's not so much that there are challenges as that there are things to be mindful of. You know, in the end, there were a lot of concerns that I had when I first adopted Homer, but ultimately, for the most part... He can live his life and, and certainly live his life with me as would any other cat or any other pet. Having said that, you know, the, the main precaution, I, and I think it's a wonderful thing, I don't want to discourage anybody for any reason who's considering adopting a special needs pet because so many of them do end up being euthanized in shelters because they're considered to be unadoptable. The only thing I, you know, what I think I would encourage people to think about is is to take an honest look at, at their home situation and at their lifestyle and, and just figure out whether or not it makes sense. For example, if you have several large dogs and a couple of toddlers, it might not be the right environment for a small blind cat. And, and that sounds very common sense, but those are the kinds of things. You know, a, a cats can certainly get along with dogs. Many people, I'm sure, listening have both cats and dogs. But, you know, a cat who's blind or a cat who has three legs or, or a cat who can't hear is going to interact differently with dogs and children. I mean, somewhat differently. And so that's something you want to be mindful of. You know, things like that, I think people should consider. But for the most part, if you 
you know, if, if you have the kind of home that would be, would be welcoming to a kitten or to a cat and you're considering adopting a special needs kitten or cat, you know, at least from the from my perspective as somebody with a blind cat, I, I honestly feel that there's no there there there's no difference in terms of how I can live my life. You know, I, I, I have to be somewhat tidier than I would probably be on my own because I don't like to leave things lying around and it just seems mean to let a blind cat, you know, trip over a pair of shoes or <laughs> something like that. But that's probably not a bad thing. <laughs> I, I, I know my husband appreciates that I've learned to be tidy over the years. I can't, I have to admit it and say that I was not necessarily always so tidy before I adopted Homer. Well, you kind of learned on the job then with Homer. Yeah, you know, actually from the first day that I brought him home, you know, I really tried to, to think through when I first brought him home some of the things that, that might unsettle him or, or that might throw him off. And uh, so I remember when I first brought him home and I first was introducing him to his new home and he was such a tiny kitten and I took my shoes off and I put them on top of a desk, which was, you know, now he climbs, he jumps, he gets on everything, but as a four-week-old kitten, it was beyond his reach. So I knew he wouldn't bump into it and uh, just to make sure it wasn't on the floor. And, uh, you know, so certain things like that that I got in the habit of doing early on and, and that I've always been in the habit of doing since then. Oh, great. And and we have to say that Homer has two wonderful, uh, is it a brother and a sister? Uh, two sisters, actually, yes. Uh, Scarlett and Vashti. Vashti is sitting here right now, desperate for attention. She's our beauty queen, and uh, she likes the attention. And then there's Scarlett, our, our curmudgeon. Who uh, I always say, Scarlett is a very exclusive cat. She's uh, she likes one person, and and that's me. Um, she's not terribly fond of other cats either. Actually, she she gets along okay with these two, but but sort of grudgingly. She's she's very cat like. She's probably the most cat like cat that I have actually, and uh, and that is our little family. And they all, they all three of them all get along as if you know they're all family. Yes, uh, you know, it took a little bit of adjustment at first. I think Scarlett would have loved to have always been an only child. Um, I, I don't even think I know she would have liked to. Have what, was Scarlett first or was Homer first? Uh, Scarlett was, is my oldest. Actually, Homer's my youngest, and Vashti is our middle child. Ah. So, it, you know, there's always a period of adjustment when you introduce a, a new cat into a household, and sometimes it really does not work, as, again, people with multiple cats know, and there have been books written on the subject of how to introduce new cats to each other. Uh, but again, I was pretty lucky uh, for the most part. Uh, for the most part, everyone gets along very well. Uh, the, the only real skirmishes come. Uh, Homer, I think, because it bothers Scarlet, likes to always try to jump on her. He likes to launch these mock attacks, and he tries to sneak up on her. But he sneaks up on her from the front. He, he's approaching very directly, but he thinks because he's being quiet that he's invisible. And Scarlett will sit there watching him with this look on her face, like, like she's just watching an idiot, basically. Like, <laughs> I, I see you. I know you're coming. And, uh, and it always bothers Homer that he's never successful in these attacks. So, so, so that, that's our little bit of conflict in the house. Um, you know, so Homer's, you know, it's, I would say it's, it's sort of a roadrunner and wily coyote kind of relationship. It's their thing. It, it's their thing. You know, they're old now. I mean, gosh, you know, Homer's my youngest and, and he's almost 13, so they've been doing it for a long time. And uh, they do it a little more slowly now than they used to and, and probably a little less frequently. But Homer is still determined that one day he's going to take Scarlet by surprise. Keep, keep trying. <laughs> Now, you know, I just wanted to, you know, sum up a little bit with you again, everybody. It's uh, Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat by author Gwen Cooper, and uh, that is by Delacorte. Now, I just wanted to kind of sum up with this, uh, Gwen. You talk a lot in the book about how Homer changed your life. 
uh, let me turn that around a little bit. Can you imagine your life without Homer at this point? No, only because I would be a very different person. And and as a lot of the book details, there are a lot of decisions that I made along the way, be either directly because of Homer or indirectly because of things that became important to me once I had Homer. And and so there there's so many little individual decisions along the course of the past 13 years that I would have made differently. That it's not like it's not a matter of just imagining my life the way it is now, except minus a cat, and and that in and of itself would be unimaginable. It really is hard for me to imagine <laughs> life without any of the. You know, we've been together for so long, but um, but you know, truly, I think the life I would be living now would be a very different life. Uh, the person who I was in Miami 13 years ago when I adopted the cat is is just not the person who I am in New York today, and so much of that is because of this relationship and, and decisions I made and, and things we did for each other along the way. Uh, you know, again, the book is called Homer's Odyssey, and part of that is, of course, a play on the fact that the cat's name is Homer. But it really, there, there is a real sense of, of a journey there, both the, the metaphorical journey and, and the life changes and also the physical journeys, that, that the moves and, and the adventures that the two of us have had together. So it's uh, aptly named in that sense, and it's, it's just impossible for me to imagine who I would be or where I would be right now, if not for the cat. And somehow I think the uh, adventures will continue. I certainly hope <laughs> they do. I'm not in any hurry to see them end. Well, thank you so much, Gwen. Thank you so much for having me. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.